0: do you love it loud then plan to attend the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo one day event celebrating all things rock and roll over 20 rock podcasts from all over North America recording on site panel discussions with producers that have worked with Ozzy, Slayer, Kiss, YT, 7Dust, Dokken, and more. Celebrity signings and meet and greets with current and former members of Cinderella, Winger, Tora Tora, Collected Soul, Taiketto, The Monkees, with more to be announced. All that and record dealers slinging some sweet vinyl. The Nashville Rock and Pod Expo takes place Saturday, August 26th at the Music Valley Event Center. More information available at Nashville rockandpodexpo.com as well as on facebook the nashville rock and pod expo feast your ears Relax. you're quite safe here <laughs> 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 Good evening. and welcome to rock
1: welcome to rock strikes 10 the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs no more no less my name is joey i want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here tonight whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on itunes and never missing one single episode thank you especially everybody who does that all right it is kissmas in july here at rock strikes 10 i'm Piggybacking on all the other podcasts that do this, and I wanted to bring something unique to the table here. And I'm a basically a lifelong Kiss fan. I've been a fan since 1984 or five. Kiss Army, Kiss Navy. I've been to you know tons of shows. Been on the cruise. Have all the albums. I'm a light merchandise purchaser. I'm not big on the merch. Uh, You know, I have a decent amount of shirts for sure. Just kind of giving my KISS credentials here in case I have any new listeners that are are in the KISS army. And for those of you longtime friends of the show, I'm sure there's a handful of you KISS fans out there as well. And, you know, hopefully, even if you're not a big fan, you can still enjoy these episodes. If not, I apologize. But, you know, give it a chance if, if you're not a fan. But all that being said... The unique thing I wanted to bring to the table for the Universal Kissmas in July is this. As a lifelong fan, and, you know, I've interacted with a bunch of different Kiss fans throughout the years and stuff like that, and, you know, they can uh, give me like a handful of their favorite albums, you know, if I ask them what their favorite album is, but for me, and for those of you who know the show, I do the Rock and Rank episodes where I rank the albums using the Borrowed with permission, Rock and Roll Geek Scoring System from the great Michael Butler. I thought to myself, you know, it's finally time for me to commit to what are my favorite Kiss albums of all time. So I decided to rank the entire catalog, every studio record, no, no live albums, of course, but every studio record, and just see where it is with me. Like, what are truly my favorite Kiss albums? I really have never known what my overall favorite studio album is i I really haven't at least not scientifically i mean you know the overall favorite the go-to is probably the first alive record i'd have to say uh but besides that i was going into the unknown uh what would be considered blasphemous to other fans you know we all have our massive opinions and we like to criticize other people's wrong opinions about the band you know all that kind of shit but uh yeah rock and rank the whole kiss catalog This is going to be a three-part episode. Now you're thinking to yourself, if you're a fan, Joey, there's only 24 KISS Studio albums if you count the solo albums, and I am definitely counting the solo albums as it refers to the overall ranking. So how are we going to do this in three parts? Playing ten songs, no more, no less on each episode? Well, I'll tell you after the first song. We're going to kick it off here. Uh, with actually an odd and end from the KISS catalog, from a KISS compilation. So this does not go into the overall ranking. This is how I was able to do it. I'll explain afterwards. But kick back, turn it up. From 1978's Double Platinum, this is Strutter 78. All right, kicking off our Kismas Rock and Rank Spectacular, part one of three. That was Strutter 78 from Double Platinum. I like both versions of Strutter, so I have no real preference, honestly. Uh, I think that's a cool version, and you don't hear that one as much, so that's why I decided to you know, start strong and end strong. Right? All right. So you've waited long enough. I'm going to explain how I'm going to do this over three parts, and still playing ten songs on each episode, no more, no less how we're going to do it. So starting with this next song, this will represent number 24, the bottom of my favorite Kiss albums. going to go over the next two episodes from number 24 through six. And then part three will be a super spectacular top five version where I'm joined by my wife and my better half, Nola. She's going to come on, give her top five along with my top five. So how this came about is when I told her that I was going to do this so I could finally figure out what my favorite KISS albums were, since she's also KISS Army, KISS Navy, she was like, I'll do it too. So I was like, great, that's awesome. We'll do it and then we'll culminate with an episode of Rock Strikes 10. I did not force her, I did not twist her arm to do this. Maybe listening to a few releases I might have had to twist the arm a little bit, but she committed and did it, so... She's coming on part three. We're going to give our top five a piece and that's how we're doing it. So it's actually going to add up to exactly 30 songs over three episodes. Yeah, that's what we do here on Rock Strikes 10. We're unlike any other music podcast in the entire world. All right. So just in case for the new people out there, if you're not a longtime friend of the show, I will explain the scoring system real quick before we get to the list. I will do this very quickly. So pay attention. This is a scientific ranking of rock albums and i will say it once again borrowed with permission from michael butler of the rock and roll geek show the first ever rock and roll podcast how you do it you go down the album and then you just listen to every song and if you like the song you give it a point if you like the song eh, it's okay give it a half if you just don't like it at all like you wouldn't even leave it on your ipod you skip it every time however you play it if it's no good you give it a zero in the end game here, I do slightly different than Butler. I take the number of points added up. Let's say, for instance, you have 10 songs and you have two halves. Well, that makes it a 90 out of 100. And so I'm going for a potential 100 points for a perfect album. So basically, you just use division. So you go 100 divided by 10 is 10 points per point. See what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. What am I saying? I don't know. You can follow this along. Come on. All right. I I believe in you. All of you. Okay. So number 24 in my least favorite Kiss album with the Kiss logo on it has to be the Peter Chris solo album released on September 18th, 1978, along with the other three solo albums. For those of you who know me, this will not come as a shock that it's the lowest ranked out of all of them. Sorry. Sorry if you're a fan of the record. That's just the way it is with me. It's my personal journey. uh, Halves and zeros galore with me. Only two songs scored a point each. That was actually uh, the two big ballads on the record. Easy thing, and I can't stop the rain. So I can't really recommend this record. But every album will have a representative on these episodes. So here you go. From the Peter Chris solo album, this is Easy Thing.
0: so hard love is so hard to find when love such an easy thing such an easy thing such an easy thing to lose
2: We love such an easy thing,
0: such an easy thing, such an easy thing to lose.
1: presenting number 24 on my overall kiss albums list at the bottom there 24 that was from the peter chris solo album that was easy thing like i said that one and i can't stop the rain are the two songs i can personally defend on the record some of it's all right uh at at best some of it sounds like hollow notes and not much else after that that i really have time for i really tried and that, that being said, you know, a lot of the different KISS fan bases are so divisive. I, I wish we could all just get along as one. But right there, anybody who's a defender and loves that album just immediately got pissed off at me and will never listen to my show ever. So those are the breaks. All right. On to number 23. Now, the jump from number 24 to number 23 point wise is Astronomical. The overall score that I gave the Peter Crisillo album was 40 out of 100. But number 23, I have ranked at 70 out of 100. So that's a quantum leap in points right there and a huge leap in quality. I just wanted to say that because, like I mentioned before, there are fans of every release. There are definitely fans of this record. I, I'm not a non-fan of the record, but, you know, it's a, I like about three quarters of it. Like I said, 70 out of 100 So don't kill me, but number 23 is an album that was released on November 10th, 1981, Music from the Elder. Yes, the ill-fated commercially concept record, the one and only concept record by Kiss that was supposed to be a movie. And of course, because the album tanked, there was never a movie. Instead, they Hit the panic button and never did anything like this ever again. Much to the chagrin of people who do love this album. And I'm just gonna say this: I'll try not to say it too much throughout the Easter episodes. But you know, it's it's one of those things that, the things I like on this album, I, I do like quite a bit. The things I don't like, I, I I don't like at all. So, but I think 70 out of 100 is respectable. That's definitely good enough for passing in this state. So, it it right right off the bat, it gets a little harder to pick a song to represent the album. Uh, But I think I found a nice gem here and a song that did get a full point when I ranked this album. So, if you're not familiar with this album, you definitely haven't heard this song. This is kind of a deep cut on here. This is a Gene Simmons song, and it's called Only You. fade out there because it's just going to go right into Under the Rose, but uh, you know that if you're a fan. That was Only You from Music from the Elder, my 23rd favorite Kiss album, and hey, I'm sorry if, if you love that record. I, I like it alright. It's not bad. <laughs> alright, uh, here's another one that really just uh, divides a lot of fans, and the stuff that is good on this album is really good in my opinion. I think uh, the overall perception the knowledge we have of it, uh, you know, it it definitely feels like a betrayal uh, to the fans. And I think that's a lot of reasons why people dump on Psycho Circus. Yes, my 23rd favorite album is Psycho Circus, released September 22nd, 1998. But hey, I, I really dig a lot of songs on here. It's a great EP in that sense. The What Could Have Been Factor hurts this album a lot. It's supposed to be the first album back with the original lineup since Love Gun, and it wasn't. It was Paul and Gene, and Ace plays on one song and sings on one song. Peter only drums on one song, sings on one song, and they use, you know, the people that they know that are reliable, I guess. Uh, Bruce Kulick, Tommy Thayer, Kevin Valentine, so it's not a band effort it's it's a bit of a disjointed effort in that sense and the what could have been factor is really just cutting out the the slack and putting in better stuff that we all know that they had in the can stuff like it's my life finally commit it's my life to a record right there makes it a better album of course cutting off the peter song because it's deplorable it's terrible it's one of the worst songs on any kiss album you know add in uh sweet and dirty love finally that was on gene's asshole record. Would have fit great on Psycho Circus. Things like that. This record could have been so much more. And it is disappointing in that sense. And also, the journey I took on this album was quite different from when it came out. Because when it came out, I really liked it a whole lot. Now... It's good for 70 out of 100, but like I said, the handful of songs that I dig are really cool, bombastic, over-the-top rock and roll anthems. I think Bruce Farabane did a great job as far as like the sound, if it goes. I really dig the sound on it. It'd call me crazy. And It's not Bob Ezrin great, but it's it's really damn good. That, that is kind of what drives me nuts about this record. If you've seen Aerosmith's Making of Pump documentary, that's one of the great rock docs you could ever see. Bruce Fairbairn's like a slave driver with those guys in a sense, like, work on the song. This song's not good. It's not there. Keep working on it. So I don't know if by that time, you know, I mean, we're coming like 10 years after Pump, basically, and, you know, maybe he's just not that guy anymore. I don't know. Or maybe Paul and Gene just, you know, strong-armed him, and this is what we're going to do. I don't know who's to blame. I really don't. That's all I can really say about it. I'll just talk in a circle otherwise, so... I was actually struggling. My two favorite songs on the album are We Are One and Raise Your Glasses. And I know I have played Raise Your Glasses on the show before. I I played it last year, actually. But I think it's such a great tune, and I actually don't understand why they wouldn't play it live. Call me crazy, but I think people will be fine with this. By the second chorus, you're singing it. Ah, Hell, by the first chorus, you're singing it. And a song that Paul Stanley wrote with Holly Knight, who's an amazing songwriter in her own right, uh, has written some great songs for Kiss. And she also co-wrote I Pledge Allegiance to the State of Rock and Roll on this album. So Holly Knight did did all she could to help this record out, that's for sure. But I've talked too much. Turn it up for Raise Your Glasses. They're from Psycho Circus, or as my friend BJ from the Rock and Roll Podcast calls it, Succo Circus. Yes, I love BJ. You're the man, BJ. <laughs> all right. And uh, you know, I I swear with my hand on heart and you know, my Kiss Army badge and my Kiss Navy badge and all that good stuff, I I did my absolute best to not let popular fan perspective come into play as I ranked these albums. You might be saying, well, Joey, all of the divisive records by the fans are really coming in low on your favorite albums list. Well, stay tuned because there's other albums that uh, are definitely divisive to some fans that ranked rather high. So it's not just going to be what you're expecting probably at this point. So, but yeah, definitely stay tuned. That being said, next one I'm going to talk about coming in at number 21 released on October 28th, 1997. Carnival of Souls, The Final Sessions. Kind of like with Psycho Circus, when this came out, I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is awesome. And there's still things I really like about the record. It's, I think, some of the material is rather strong. Yes, the perception and knock on the album is that, you know, Kiss is following trends with 90s grunge and all this other stuff. But I think some of the stuff on this album is pretty damn honest. And that's what I think about it. There, there's a handful of songs in here that are definitely concert worthy. It's a shame that they've never darkened any set list. Stuff like Master and Slave and Jungle. It, I think those would be great live. That you know, maybe it's just me and the vocal minority, but you know, it's a shame. At least maybe on the cruise. I mean, that that's where you play the deep stuff. Anyway, yeah. But that all being said, you know, hey, at least in my KISS fandom, it ranks higher than Psycho Circus and The Elder. So coming in at 75 points out of 100, that's three quarters strong. So nothing wrong with that. And, you know, talking about how divisive a lot of these albums are, this song that I'm going to play to represent Carnival of Souls actually reminds me of something that could have been on music from The Elder. I think the arrangement the way gene sings this song for all i know this is a leftover for music from the elder i think he even said at one point this one dates all the way back to his folk years like pre-kiss so i don't I don't know what the journey on this song is to be quite honest but i really like the song a lot i think it's one of the stronger songs on the record so here you go representing carnival of souls the final sessions this is i confess <laughs>
2: Look into the mirror Just can't believe what do I see There's no waking from this nightmare And you're lost in your reality So you tell me all your secrets And you tell me that you're innocent There's something in your eyes I can see And my face keeps looking back With shame, and you smile in your picture frame. You had a charm life, but you fell from grace, and you love on without a trace.
1: some heavy angst written kiss there i confess from carnival of souls there. gene simmons song like i said that's a gene simmons song that i do like and i like the way he sings it and i like a lot of things about that song handful of songs on carnival of souls that i think are worth it my opinion send a special extra special apology to bj sorry bj all right moving on here number 20 my 20th favorite kiss album was their 2009 comeback album, Sonic Boom. They hadn't put a studio album out in 11 years, and this one comes out. And man, I, I guess I could say I was never looking more forward to a KISS record than this one, because number one, I never thought that this album would happen because, you know, they had, all, for all intents and purposes, they had hung it up by, you know, sometime in the early 2000s on their, quote, farewell tour. Now, I am not the kind of fan's going to bash him for balking, on the farewell tour in a sense i i do take the company line and saying that it was a farewell to the four original members and i'm i'm happy kiss carried on i get to see him in concert more and i enjoyed sonic boom and monster especially Monster's going to be higher on the list uh, sonic boom this is proof positive that i'm not a biased kiss fan in loving the current lineup because this has the current lineup on it of gene paul tommy thayer and eric singer but it only ranked 20 out of twenty-four at seventy-six points. But I dig a lot of tunes on there like I, I say on a lot of these. Uh big fan of Yes I know. I even like some of the filler songs on there like Russian Roulette and you know they're just fun, dumb songs. Uh say yeah I think should have never left the set list once it started. And as of a few days ago looks like they added it back to the set list. So hopefully by the time I get to see them in September they will still be playing Say Yeah. So I'm going to play this one to represent Sonic Boom. And always nice to shine a spotlight on somebody else besides Gene and Paul in the band. A very important member in history, past, present, and future, is Eric Singer. So this was his very first lead vocal on a KISS album. So enjoy this. It's all for the glory. That lays claim to being the most successful chart-positioning Kiss album, peaking at number two. They've never had a number one album. That one peaked at number two in 2009. So yeah, can't take that away from it. So unless the next few albums debut at number one, then that's the highest-charting album in history from Sonic Boom. That was all for the glory, a song written by Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley and sung by the great Eric Singer. Their longtime and current drummer. Alright, we've cracked the top 20 now with the KISS albums. We're up to number 19. And an album that definitely has a soft spot in my heart. This was like the second KISS album that I took the entire journey with. From release day through the whole thing. Watching all the videos on MTV, things like that. Didn't get to see the tour. They didn't come through town at that point. I still wasn't of decent concert going age at that point. So I guess it's neither here nor there. Released on September 18th in 1987, the Ron Nevison produced Crazy Nights, uh, an album that is also much like a lot of albums here at the bottom of this list, and I didn't do this intentionally, but very divisive record, you either love it or hate it, there's not a lot of middle ground here on this album, it's 80s pop metal, and you know, there's not a whole lot of bottom end on it, which kind of does hurt the record, the keyboard layers and everything uh, make it not so heavy of a record. But I still love a lot of things about Crazy Nights, and I'm always going to love a lot of things about Crazy Nights. The title track is an anthem. It should always be in the set list. But one of the other singles was also really important to me. I just still think this is one of the great power ballads ever. So, representing Crazy Nights on my personal Top Kiss Albums list, this is Reason to Live. Okay, just an amazing vocal performance there by Paul Stanley, and I know that the subject of Paul Stanley's voice definitely amids a lot of controversy lately. I gotta say, though, man, whatever your opinion of the current state of Paul Stanley's voice, you gotta admit that that guy had a peak in his concert and studio vocal performance for decades. You know, I I would even say... After their quote-unquote heyday in the 70s, Paul's voice got better, and stayed that way for a long time. So, all respect, massive, massive respect to Paul Stanley for being one of the greatest rock and roll vocalists of all time. Whether you're a fan or not, you've got to admit that he really is the man, right? And I, you know, I say heyday from the 70s with the air quotes and everything because actually i mean yeah they were definitely a cultural zeitgeist throughout the 70s once they finally made it and they did very well merchandise galore big shows and everything right but i think really from an album sales standpoint you could definitely say that was the heyday but even at their peak of touring in the 70s really if you go back and look at all the statistics They never were the biggest concert draw ever. I mean, there were definitely other bands that were of the time that outdrew them by a mile. It wasn't until they reunited in 1996 that they were the highest grossing touring band in the world. So that's just a fact. At their peak during the Love Gun Alive 2 era... They were still playing coliseums, you know, ten thousand seater capacities, sometimes more, you know, ten to fifteen thousand. They broke all of their personal attendance records for coliseums during that reunion tour. So, there you go. Some revisionist history is always in effect sometimes when it comes to big bands, and that's one of them. All right, tangent aside, let's get back to the music. Dialing it back just about three years to the Animalize record, and you know, I'm sure for you music geeks out there, you have these records where you say something to the effect of, this album sounds better at night. There are just certain records that sound better when the sun is not out. I truly believe that Animal Eyes is one of those albums. So in order to try to get the maximum point potential, I listened to this album after midnight at the point where it was time to score it. And, you know, it did pretty well, better than I thought it would. One of the revisionist history things about this album is it that all the Gene songs on here are no good. I mean, that's not the case. I think at the very least, While the City Sleeps is worthy of your time. But yeah, this is where Paul takes over the band pretty much predominantly through the rest of the decade. That is not revisionist history. That is a truth. And Paul did it out of necessity because Gene was not partaking in albums as much as he used to. Paul really does a great job with holding the ball throughout the 80s. The material in Animal Eyes proves it. His songs are just better. And, you know, he had... All the singles throughout that time as well, starting with Look It Up. But through Animal Lives, you got some strong tracks. Heaven's on Fire, of course, is undeniable. I really like Under the Gun a lot. I think that's a really cool track. Definitely pretty metal there. But my personal favorite song on the entire album is always going to be this song. It just hits me in a really good way. This is a Paul Stanley co write with Jean Bouvoir, of the Plasmatics. Jean Beauvoir, great guy there. Super talent. And The riff on this is just great. I think this is one of my favorite riffs of all time. And not just the intro riff and and the chorus riff, but really take a listen here while you're on the headphones to this song. While he's singing the verses, listen to what he's playing on there. There's some really unique guitar parts and just real original stuff that you really don't hear in a lot of songs. So that's another reason to love this song. So... So, this was the second single released for the Animalized record, Turn It Up for Thrills in the Night. Thrills in the Night, another song that I would love to see come back in the set list. I may be the only one, but really love that song. And just like everything was going against that being a successful single, all the way down to the execution of how they handled the music video. Supposedly, they filmed a conceptual video in an office building, which would be interlaced with live performances. And upon finishing the shoot of the concept, they shelved the video entirely. They said the footage was terrible. Never used it. It's locked up in the vault somewhere. So they basically take the shot on film live performance that they did. And intersperse footage from their MTV concert. So it goes from film to video. From film to video. And it just looks terrible. I, if they had just kept the shot on film stuff. Used that for the video. That would have been salvageable. But Even at the very end, they just made a bad video for it. It was so bad that the label didn't even purchase the rights of the video, so that's why you never see it on any home video releases. So, mystery solved. Alright. I use of course a lot of sources from different KISS books. I'd say besides the official one behind the mask definitely want to pick up KISS Alive Forever. That's a great one. Out of all four autobiographies, there's not one that's not slanted, but I think the one that has the highest quality and overall storytelling is probably the Paul Stanley one. But, hey, take your own journey. Do what you want with that. So, Sticking with Paul Stanley, though, this is Paul Stanley's last song of the evening, but our second-to-last song overall. And I didn't mention the score of the last three records because they actually did score the same points. It was a three-way tie, in a sense, of 77 out of 100 points. For these three records crazy nights animal eyes and this one hot in the shade and when it came down to a tie i actually would move them on the chart position that i thought well this is better than that overall things like that so that's where my head is at right now right now i actually like hot in the shade more than animal eyes and crazy nights so it holds the distinct positioning of my 17th favorite kiss album overall and This is right around the time, 1989, I bought the cassette and really became a hardcore KISS Army member at that point. This is when I started tracking down the older stuff. This is when I moved from Abilene to the mid-cities of DFW and made some friends that had older KISS albums on tape, made copies of those, went from there. I mean, I got my first copy of Alive as a recorded cassette on a recorded Maxell cassette or Bass of you know, one of those things, so Memorex. But I, I had a copy of Alive on a cassette and that one changed me, it really did. And like I said, became a huge Kiss fan. By the end of the summer of nineteen ninety, I had I think all of the seventies albums on cassette and was on my way to finishing the whole collection up to that point. And of course, Hot in the Shade holds a Very huge distinction for me, and that was the first tour I saw him on May 5th, 1990, at the Starplex in Dallas. Changed me forever. So, what's not to love, right? Well, Hot in the Shade does have that interesting fan perspective that less could have been more. There's 15 songs on this record, more than any other Kiss album, at least studio album. And yeah, they probably could have trimmed a few songs off of it that's the popular opinion and I think it's actually a true opinion but if you choose to concentrate on the positive of this record there are some massive hidden gems on this album there are some songs on here that are so good I question as to why some of them were never released as singles and pretty positive I played this one on the show last year but along with Thrills in the Night, but I gotta play this one again because I, I believe along with Silver Spoon, these are the two true gems of Kiss songs from the 80s. So representing the Hot in the Shade record, this is King of Hearts. Um. One of the top five great undiscovered gems in the KISS catalog. That was King of Hearts from the Hot in the Shade record, my 17th favorite KISS album. And we're going to close off the show with my number 16 pick. This album actually ties with my number 15 pick at 80 out of 100. I'll tease that one for the beginning of the next episode, which will air very, very soon. Next day, actually. But we're going to close off tonight talking about the Lick It Up record, The Lick It Up record is super, super important in history. came out in 1983 and was the first album without the makeup. And in the realm of 80s hard rock albums, I think this one should rank pretty high. It's a damn solid record. It's got some real heavy tracks on here, too, for all parties involved, like Paul's Gimme More and, you know, all of Gene's contributions are super heavy on here, so... If you like a little bit more of the harder edge side of Kiss, Look It Up should be in your collection for sure. Proof positive in a play. Uh, I think probably the fan favorite of this album overall. Of course, you know, Look It Up was a big single. All Hell's Breaking Loose did pretty well. But there was some really good G material besides Creatures in the Night, his strongest 80s material from Gene with not for the innocent young and wasted just really super heavy stuff on here at uh, hokey lyrics aside and on the eighth day has a really good arrangement to it but this one just smokes love this one a lot it's like a high energy acdc-esque kind of jam so closing off part one of my kiss albums list special this is fits like a glove <laughs> Oh, steps to paul stanley's place all right there's a little in joke there for you fans all right closing off the part one of the rock and rank kiss special i've called this episode about six different things over the course of recording it but i'm sticking with that the rock and rank kiss catalog special fits like a glove a concert favorite throughout all of the 80s and it never returned after the 80s so sad once again i've said this numerous times on this part one but why isn't that song back in the set list that song was always really fun live gave gene a chance to mug a little bit more without blood dripping from his mouth but hey who knows i don't know why it's not in the set list but it totally should be they could play that and people would still dig it all right that's going to do it for part one of this rock and rank kiss special Please join me on the next episode. It will be out tomorrow. We're building up towards the Big Epic Part 3, showcasing my Top 5 Kiss Records and Nola's Top 5 Kiss Records, where we'll go back and forth and play songs from said records. We are going to talk about certain albums on Part 3 that I will have already talked about on these first two parts, but that's just the way it is, because Nola's list is extremely different than mine. But hey, that's how it goes, so... If you are intrigued, please stay tuned, and stay tuned for all things on cnjradio.com. All episodes of Rock Strikes 10 on the website there, and of course the links to the Facebook, the Twitter, all that good stuff. While you're on cnjradio.com, stay tuned for The Synaptic, featuring Randy Brown, A True Alternative, and also, of course, stick around for the great blogs that Chris does for Last Theater on the Left and the Wrestling House Show, always up to date and always super readable. Extra special thanks to Pete and the guys from Spacebeard. Pete is a super-duper high-ranking officer of the KISS Army, but he also has a band called Spacebeard. Go to Facebook.com slash Spacebeardband for more information, purchase their latest album Gone, and tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. If you're a KISS fan, you will enjoy Spacebeard. All right, we'll see everybody on the next one. Have fun.